Passing Out Loud, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol Rovers reporter Jack Vittles. Welcome along to Gassing Out Loud with myself, Michelle Owen and Jack Vittles. This afternoon we'll be talking about a new contract for a very young, promising Bristol Rovers player. Also, a brand new CEO is in place. But first, we must start at the weekend and the game against Plymouth Argyle. At halftime, it was all going so well, Jack. Uh, talk us through it, because by all accounts, actually, Bristol Rovers might have been the better team. Yeah, I think so. They were yeah 2-1 up at half-time, went on to lose 3-2. I thought they were probably, yeah, just about on balance, the better side. Obviously, they didn't really get the rub of the green with any of the decisions, which is something that Daryl Clark picked up heavily after mm. the game. And even now, so what we, four or five days after the game, when I went to speak to him this morning, that was still the first thing on his mind, was talking about all the decisions that have gone against him over the course very, of the season. Very aggrieved, isn't he? Because he's mentioned it a few oh, times completely. this season. Yeah, absolutely. So he pointed towards you know the two penalty decisions on Saturday, and he also thought Rovers should have had um, a free kick and maybe a man sent off, and Harrison was brought down by Songo. Um, and then also, you know, if you look over the course of the season, he'll point to the goal at Charlton on the opening day that didn't cross the line. Goal at Blackburn that was ruled out when it you know, wasn't offside. They were in 1-0 up at Blackburn. That would have been huge. So, You're talking about I, you, six you points know, there, potentially. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I can see where he's coming from. But, you know, at the end of the day, they did lose on Saturday. Um, and I suppose it just shows why Plymouth are on the run they're on. They're flying, one defeat in 17. And that's the sort of form you need if you're going to break into this top five that have been a little bit ahead of the rest. Yeah, it's a funny one with Plymouth Argyle, isn't it? Because they've shot from the bottom of League One to the top six, whereas Rovers have just sort of floated around mid-table all season. I mean, there was that little worrying patch before Christmas where they were really sliding and looking over their shoulders. Since Christmas, the form has been a lot better, albeit, you know, not always the performance has been there, but they've definitely improved since Christmas. But it really feels that this result has really put a bitter blow into any playoff chances. I mean, statistically, it's still there, but did you not feel they had to get something from that Plymouth Argyle game to yeah. make it happen? Yeah, no, it, it felt pretty you know, decisive, didn't it, leading up to it? Plymouth, similar place in the table, away from home, big game for Rovers. They're now, what, they seven points off. They're on 50 points still. I think the average that you need to go up, or sorry, to get into the top six, is 70 points. So they need 20 points from nine games now, which is really tough. And I actually think, looking at it this year, you might need one or two more. So they basically need to start winning and start winning now. They'll probably need to win six, maybe seven of their last nine to be right in there. I don't think it's completely gone. Um, I think it's a very, very slim chance now. The thing that's in their favour is they're playing sides around them, so they can take points off there and they're playing... Uh, obviously Peterborough this weekend, they've got Charlton, they've got Rotherham as well, I know they're a bit further ahead, but mm. they've got those sides around them in the table, so there is a chance, yeah, they're potential six-pointers, aren't they, I suppose? Yeah, when you look at Peterborough this weekend, you, know, you feel if they win that, then, and if Plymouth Argyle lose this weekend against Charlton, which is a very difficult game yep. for them, the, the gap's back down to four points, and then you can yeah, sort of, exactly. depending what other teams do. It keeps it alive for a bit longer, doesn't it? And I think, until it's, you know, as the players keep saying, until it's mathematically impossible, they're going to keep going for it and keep believing. But it's, it's a very similar situation to last year when they were sort of mathematically in it until the you know second to last game. But realistically, five games from the end, it was mm. all done. So I think it's nice to be, you know, what are we, almost into the final week of March, six weeks to go in the season. And there is still something to play for. And it is at the right end of the table. Mm. Um, but I think everybody, you know, we're not kidding ourselves. Everybody knows this is a very slim chance. Um, and... To be honest, you know, a top ten finish again is that a, you know a massive disappointment? I don't think it is. Is it going to be course celebration? Probably not. It's sort of a, a mm. so-so season, which really tells you how far they've come. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say to you, we'll look more at this towards the end of the season and 
we'll see what happens. But I think it'll be something to reflect on. It's just one of those seasons where it's never really caught a light, has it? Yet. No, no. It, it still could. Yeah, I think, you know, for teams like Rovers and given the run they were on before Christmas, you always need that huge long run to get into the playoffs. So, you know, Rotherham had it over Christmas. Plymouth have had it over a long period since Christmas. I think Rovers' season has sort of mirrored Plymouth in a way, but just not as extreme. They weren't as terrible in the first half and they haven't been as good in the second. Mm. So they did drop down there. Um, They never went below 15th, 16th Rovers, whereas Plymouth, you know, fully committed to crisis. They were down (laughs) in bottom, cast adrift. Um, And now they've come roaring through. So a bit of a so-so season, inconsistent, um, but... You know, you've got to say now, Rovers are a very established League One club, which three years ago, everybody would be ecstatic with. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk more about that, I think, in the coming weeks, and it will depend, obviously, what happens. But let's just go back to Plymouth Argyle then, because we can't move on from that without talking about the atmosphere at the game. Now, for Plymouth Argyle, this is their derby. 120 miles between them, which is hardly a derby. But, you know, they're so far from any other League One club. This is the one for them. A very feisty atmosphere by... All accounts and some unsavoury scenes at the end. Uh, there were some some players and indeed Derek Adams, the manager, uh, who waved at the Bristol Rovers fans at the end. Now, I've spoken to Derek Adams and he said, you know, it's just a bit of fun. Uh, it's not easy to take that when you've lost, I guess. But after that, you know, there were some, some not good scenes and things that have been on social media and stuff. So, Jack, tell me more about what, what you found out about what happened. Yeah, so I thought actually for... The large part of the game, it was a great atmosphere, it was brilliant. Good, you know, big home crowd in, Rovers sold out their allocation, um, really good game as well, end-to-end. And I thought everybody behaved themselves quite well to start with, good atmosphere. It did feel like a derby, even if it is miles away. Um, and it was all going pretty well, and I think, you know, a lot of people would have seen the videos now on Twitter and Facebook and things of fans throwing objects at each other. A couple of fans, I think one Plymouth, one Rovers, got onto the edge of the pitch, had to be detained. There's possibly a chair being thrown, um, talks of punches being thrown in the away end anyway between Rovers fans. So not good scenes at all. And uh, the club put out an appeal for information as well, uh, which we helped with. And also they've now come out and said that people have come forward with information. So hopefully they will find those people responsible and, um, you know, slap a big fine or a punishment or whatever on them or ban them. The problem with things like this as well is it's so the minority. And, yeah, absolutely. And it's just so frustrating. You see it you know, in, in all sorts of levels of football, whether it's like international, you know, look at the Euros last year, or, or club football, League One, League Two. I mean, you see what happens at other games and the police presence and things like that. But it's such a shame that now, you know, in, in the next game, people will think, oh, is, is there, is there going to be trouble between these two sets of fans because of what happened then? But realistically, it's not many, is it? No, not at all. I think you're right. I think down the line there will be more considerations from the police about how they're going to deal with it. I think, like you say, is massively the minority. And the Rovers fans that I've spoken to since Saturday are pretty annoyed with how their own fans behaved and how the Plymouth fans behaved and the small sec- the small sections of both fans. So, sadly, it, you know, it all turned a bit unsavoury at the end. I thought, you know, Adams clapping at the Rovers fans was pretty unnecessary. But, you know, if I was a Plymouth fan, I'd probably love it. So... This is it, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's all about perspective. Right, you, yeah, exactly. Rise above it, get on with it. It is only a game at the end of the day and... and Support your side and, and get behind them, but do you need to throw a punch? Not really. No, of course not, never. What did Daryl Clark say about it? Uh, not a lot, no, he's not really addressed it. Um, we didn't really know the full extent when we spoke to him after the mm. um, match straight away on Saturday. We were sort of holed up in a weird little press room around the back. Had to it, wait it, in there. It's weird, it, obviously the fans might not have seen this because well, when you're in the away end, you don't go in this way at home park, but 
it's literally like it's almost like a shed isn't yeah, it? it's, it's bizarre because you see you see Home Park on TV and you look at it and it looks like a nice modern ring, like you know, like a Doncaster ground or something like that. And it's three lovely stands and then what is a very old, dilapidated grandstand with, you know, what would have been terracing now knocked down and the, the press box is actually a, a room at the back of the stand that's got the glass taken out. You know, it's it's got character, but it just needs a bit of updating, which they're doing apparently. So, yeah. so yeah, that was an interesting uh, venue for the presser after then. Well. I guess that's been put to bed now by Daryl Clark, would you say? Because it sounded like he was still talking about it a lot this morning in yeah, the presser. Yeah, I think, you know, in the, in the pre-Peter press conference, he, he brought up that game again. You know, he was asked about the game, but he brought it up and said about the decisions. Uh, but he also said that the players have, you know, got on with it. They carry on. I spoke to Ollie Clark as well, and he said the same thing. You know, they just you haven't got a choice, have you? They come in on Monday morning. They're a pretty jovial bunch. You know, you go up there... You know, the press conference happens right next door to where they have their lunch and the amount of times we have to stop because they're making too much noise next door. They're all, you know, shouting at each other and screaming and being happy and joking around. So they're still a happy bunch. Um, I think they'll pick themselves up and, they, you know, they could get a good result at Peterborough, I think. Yeah. Again, it's going to be one of those, if, if they win, you know, it could still be on, but if they yeah, lose, it's, it's, it's off, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big, big match. I think, you know, if they lose this, you look at how the other results will go and you can probably uh, call it a day. So it's it feels like another big game. Um but we'll just wait and see. I don't think Daryl Clark's putting any pressure on his team particularly. You know, I think he wants them to do well, obviously. And there's always a certain level of pressure. But I don't think he's saying, you know, we've got to make the playoffs. We've got to. So, bit of a bit of a, a free reign, really, for these last nine games. Yeah, and, and with that in mind, you know, thoughts do start turning to next season. And uh, there's some news possibly about Dom Telford. You know, he's been on yeah, Stoke so, City. And... So, I think, you know, Daryl hinted at this a little while ago. Maybe um, Bowler and Telford, when he got them on loan, he was thinking more long term. Um, and he sort of mentioned it again today. So Telford scored a hat-trick in midweek for the development side against what, and Daryl was very keen to point this out, was a very, very poor Forest Green Rovers side. So don't get too excited about the hat-trick. <laughs> but he did say that, you know, when they brought in Dom on loan, they knew he was out of contract in the summer with Stoke. Um, and it's one they're looking to pursue long-term. He didn't want to say too much. Um, he never does. He never wants to talk about other teams' players, which I think is fair enough. Um, but he was basically explaining that the reason he's not playing at the moment is that his style doesn't quite suit their game. Because yeah, I was just going to say, before you continue, this is a player they, they want to bring in perhaps yeah. permanently, but he hasn't really featured. Not started a league game this season. Um, made quite a few sub-appearances now, only five, ten minutes here and there, played in the cup. But basically, I think at home at the moment he'd be obsolete because the pitch is so bad. Rovers are playing 4-4-2. Um, they've got to play Harrison and Gaffney, two big lads up front and pump it long. That's, that's, you know, that's Daryl's theory. Um, I think away from home, Telford could still be a really good asset. He's a great finisher. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're playing at. To get a hat trick, he's a really good finisher. We saw that in the couple of goals he got in the checker trade as well. How old is he? Sorry, twenty one. He's twenty one. So he's not young. Young. Um, no. He's been in the Stoke system for quite a while. Um, and did he come through the Stoke system all the way? Yeah, I think so. He's certainly for a good while, um, and he's you know well thought of up there, and he comes across really likable, bit of a cheeky chap. Um, but he's got pace and he's a good finisher. So I think. Mm. You know, I don't want to burden him with anything, but a lot of fans say that he's kind of in the Matty Taylor role, is oh, the really? way he plays. Okay. So, but, you know, fans only see five, ten minutes of him. Daryl has seen him all, you know, all day, every week, all season on the training ground. So uh, we'll watch that space and see, see if he does turn up on permanent. OK, and news of, I would say, a new CEO, but there wasn't a CEO before at Bristol Rovers. So is this part of the owner's sort of restructuring of the club's upper echelon of management? Uh, what, what's going on here? Yeah. And who is the new CEO? Yeah, so I think it is, like you say, it's certainly a part of the owner's, you know, they've been here over two years now. I think they're trying to 
professionalise everything in the background and try and sort of sort out what's been going on behind the scenes. I think a lot of fans will want investment on the pitch in terms of players, that's where they'll judge it. But this is another step, hopefully, in the right direction to make everything more professional off the pitch. So we've got a new, well, a CEO has come in, uh, who's Martin Starnes, who actually is currently the CEO at Plymouth. So um, he's handed his notice down there. He'll continue... Because they've got a new CEO. Yes, exactly. So everything, you know, um, League One merry-go-round, and he will remain in place until the end of the season down there and then start with Rovers in July. Well, financially, Plymouth Argyle are very stable because you look at what happened to them in 2011. They almost went into administration and then I'm not quite sure how long he's been there, but he's been one uh, of those... Three years, I think, yeah. So the last three years as well, you look at how, how Plymouth Argyle have done. You know, they've really stabilised in terms of finances. So yep. is he quite a good man to have at the helm for Bristol Rovers? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I know very, you know, relatively little about him myself, but I've spoken to people. Um, I've spoken to Chris Errington, who covers Plymouth, um, for the Plymouth Herald down there, and he says that, you know, he can't take all the credit, um, Martin Starnes this is, but, you know, he's presided over an era where Plymouth have gone from losing money to making a good profit. They've been promoted into League One. They're now in the playoffs of League One. Um, the grandstand's being redeveloped down there, which is obviously quite interesting given Rovers' uh, redevelopment position. And also, if you read what um, Wild Arcadia has said about the appointment as well, it's somebody that he knows. And it's something they've been looking at for a long time, is bringing in a CEO. You know, most clubs have them. How important are they? How important is a CEO? Good question. Good question. I don't know, because I've never been in the, in the, in the ballroom of a football club, I suppose. But Because when, you know, they have these boardroom meetings, and I'm not privy, you know to how often Bristol Rovers have them. But these are the sort of meetings where they discuss th- things like the manager and obviously they discuss the team's form, but it's the wider business sort of model of the club as well, yeah. isn't it? And it's going to impact on things like stadium development, the pitch, which has been such a problem, the training facilities. So it could have quite a big impact potentially, but it needs the investment too. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you look at the, the structure. If he comes in as a CEO, which he is, then he's going to be you know, second in command behind while. So... He'll be able to come in and, and, I assume, make changes if he wants to, make little tweaks here and there. Obviously, now Rovers have had a season with their new commercial guy as well, Tom Gorringe. They've just announced they're going to finally digitise the season tickets. They're going to go onto a card system as opposed to the old book. So, you know, it is it is getting there off the pitch in terms of professionalism. It's just, you know, as, you know, Wilde came in and said, it'll be evolution, not revolution, and, you know, he stuck to that. I want to talk about um, the Wales squad and Tom Lockyer. In, in just a little while but before that you did a piece this week about what away fans really think about Bristol Rovers Memorial Stadium and for those that haven't read that just gives more of an insight into what what the thoughts are on the stadium because we talk about this so much don't we yeah so it's, it's, there's a website online where you can review um, you know away stadiums when you visit there and what people think and to be honest with you it's exactly what you'd expect away fans to say a lot of them um, criticise the uncovered away end obviously not having a roof over their head and criticise yeah. the fact that a lot of the facilities are dated but that said a lot of them also praise the, the atmosphere um, how nice it is to be in a ground with some character a proper old fashioned football ground where you can still get a cup of tea and a pint down on the terrace so it's kind of what you'd expect really I think I think most fans now know what they want from uh, from the away day and they, they get most of that at Rovers if, if not a roof have you I, I was listening to something on the radio the other week about um, Spurs new stadium and I know this is completely the, the other cheese end room. of the, of the, the cheese the room, cheese room yeah. and the champagne and they were saying you know what sort of football fan goes to a game and wants a drinks armrest and a cheese room I mean talk about getting out of touch with the fans 
is Bristol Rovers. I know the Memorial. We know the Memorial Stadium needs development. Yeah. And it, it needs more doing to it. And there will be things done in time. But is that... I don't like the cliches, but it's, that's like real football, isn't it? Yeah, I think that is part of the appeal. I mean, do you want a um, cheese room when you go down to Bristol? I mean, I do like cheese. No, not a whole room for it. But it's not football, is it? No, no, absolutely. I'd like to take the beer on, you know, to the side of the pitch, but that's a whole other matter. But, um, yeah. <laughs> You're working, you're not allowed no, to do that. No, that's true, I can't do that. But, uh, no, I think, you know, people go down to the Mem, they know what they're going to get. I think people are aware that the ground isn't going to have all the modern trappings and facilities that a championship or Premier League ground has, but they're getting there, the small steps being taken. And it's still, you know, I think for most people, it's just a cracking good day out, isn't it, still? You can stand on the terrace and watch League One football and see the likes of, you know, Wigan and Portsmouth and Blackburn play while stood there on the terrace screaming and shouting. So, yeah, I guess don't use the cliche, but real football, yeah. So let's turn our attention to Wales and Bristol Rovers defender and captain Tom Lockyer is with the squad out in China. They thrashed China 6-0 today. I don't think China are... Uh, particularly great, let's be honest, although I was initially impressed when I saw that score. Gareth Bale, hat-trick. Uh, Sam Vokes got a couple, I think, and Harry Wilson from Liverpool got yeah. another. But Tom Lockyer came on, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. Obviously, it's his, I think it's his second cap now, both as a sub, so no full caps. But what it, you know, the good thing for him is that there's a new manager in place, Ryan Giggs, and he's obviously still kept his same place in the pecking order, which is good. He didn't, isn't fallen down there. So I think he's probably uh, fourth, maybe fifth-choice centre-back there. But they play five at the back, so... There's a reasonable chance it'll be called upon competitively, I'd have thought, in the qualifying campaign with injuries and form and things. So it's a really good, positive thing for his career. How good it is for Rovers. Ah, yeah. You know, it, him, well, him missing games isn't great, it's, but it's good to have a player who's been, you know, with the club since he was 17, 18, mm. to, to be out there representing his country. But Wales's gain is, is Bristol Rovers' loss this weekend. Yeah. Because right? obviously he's not going to feature because they've got another game. Wales have got another game on Sunday against the... Yeah, I'm not sure who they're playing. against. Uruguay, Czech Republic. Yeah. 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 So he'll miss um, this weekend's game against Peterborough and I think he might miss Good Friday as well against Berry because of the time difference coming back. It's a long flight. What's yeah. it to China? About, yeah. what, 11, 12 hours? Oh, I don't, it's, it's, yeah, I don't think they're direct either because it's in the middle of nowhere. So... A bit of a weird one. I was talking to Lockyer about it before as well. He's not been to China before. He's quite excited about it, I think, um, as he would be. But it means Rovers are without him. And Ryan Sweeney as well is with the um, Irish under-21s. So we're going to be, I would have thought, Tony Craig and Tom Broadbent at the back on Saturday, which is a better position than they were early in the, earlier in the season when they were, you know, it was Johnny Byrne and Manny Yessi and they got beat 3-0 on TV and it really wasn't very impressive. So... Yeah, hopefully they've got a bit more cover now to uh, to cover those two absentees. With international breaks, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it's nice to have League One and League Two take centre stage for a weekend. And like you said, uh, Bristol Rovers were on telly a few months ago when there was an international break then. But it's hard, isn't it? Because there's still some players that go away on international duty. Yeah. The players that go are usually, you know, the best. Yep, absolutely. So I think you've got to get three called up to be able to apply to have the game called off in League 1 and 2 basically and you have to apply for it as well so it's not it's yeah, not you have dry, to, no it? you have to ask for it and then I also I'm not entirely sure on this but I think on loan players don't count so Ryan Sweeney wouldn't count for Rovers because he's on loan so they've only technically had one player contracted to them called up mm. um, so it does kind of it hurts them a bit uh, obviously other clubs as well I think Charlton have had two or three international call ups this weekend so yeah I think it's, it's a difficult one to address really isn't it I think a lot of clubs you've just got to sort of Put up with it. I don't think it really affects much over the course of a season. 
Yeah, and it's only well, it's only a handful. Of, it's not even a handful of weekends, is no, it? No, so two or three, I think. September, yeah. November, and March is, yeah. is when it normally happens. Well, I think it's crossed for Tom Lockyer, but let's hope he doesn't play too long, so he's nice and fresh when he comes back. No, exactly. Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe forty-five <laughs> minutes next time. Yeah, max. That's fine. Well, we'll have to see what happens against Peterborough then, just to put your sort of neck on the line. Then, Jack, what do you think the weekend has in store for? Bristol Rovers. Yeah, it's tough and it's a big one. It is a really big weekend. I think they, I think they're due a bit of luck because they they played all right against Northampton, only got a draw. They played really well against Plymouth and lost. So they've only got a point from two games. That they've actually been the better side in both. I think they're, they're due a bit of luck. They're due a result. I think they're going to. I think they're going to win. Although I, I do rate Peterborough, I think they've got a lot of attacking talent. I think it could be a high scorer. Oh, well, when we are back in two weeks' time, I think we'll have a pretty good idea how Bristol Rovers' season is going to shape up and where they're going to end up yeah, I have to think by then because it's going to be after the Easter weekend too so we'll be well, exactly so yeah three games Berry as well on Good Friday and then Fleetwood away so you know you'd like to think maybe six points from those games they're two teams that are struggling but you know this is Rovers so we'll wait and see <laughs> this is Rovers indeed well if you're listening on iTunes please rate and review us and if you have any questions for us you can leave them in the review section as well and we'll catch you in a fortnight's time Gassing Out Loud 